0: Ten. Ten. is the NXT Women's Division, the best in wrestling. Uh, hello and welcome to the Worsening Radio... <laughs> wrestling... Like- Jesus, like one day I'm going to remember the name of the bloody website I do the thing for. It's going to happen. So anyway, hello and welcome to the Wrestling Headlines NXT review. My name is Matt Mayer aka Imp and we are here live on YouTube and will later be available in podcast form. Links in the description or head over to WrestlingHeadlines.net for your latest wrestling news or whatnot. As we speak, I'm just going to triple check my sound. I have to do that every single time. As we speak, Donald Trump is live talking to the nation during a massive election. Uh, thing in America with the code voting and the counting and whatnot. I'm, si- I'm simplifying it because I'm meant to be talking about wrestling. Point being, anyone tunes in live, I'll find this remarkable. <laughs> I'm going live at 7 Eastern time. Uh, midnight, everyone in the UK is asleep. 7 EST. They, and uh, before I uh, came live, like an hour beforehand, the news broke about the ratings and both NXT and AW, neither of them broke the top 50 and all... 50 of the top 50 were news channels. Fair to say, people are slightly engaged in the wrestling. <laughs> so, my uh, no, immediate thought, hmm, well, if the numbers for this are good, if the if, if numbers for this are normal, then that'll be like a massive pat on the back <laughs> in terms of uh, maintaining engagement and whatnot. There are more important things going on in the world right now. With that said, I just want to, uh, want to start off just by saying I'm fully aware about the current world circumstances. Fully aware interests are somewhere else like that. But this can work as a distraction for you. For a nice little sidetrack from, you know, actual problems. <laughs> as I and talk about a wrestling telly show. But I thought I'd thought we'd do a positive show. Like a nice chippy little thing. I mean, it's NXT. He's nice and happy. A massive thank you to James Boyd for joining me last week to go through the action uh, from One Nation Radio. Uh, you can catch him on socialsuplex.net. But this week, I'm running solo, purely because I've also got, what's the, what's the uh, full gear, that's it, I keep thinking all out. I've got full gear on Saturday, which I'll be doing Aftershock 4, so it's highly recommended I don't book an American to, <laughs> to go live at a more reasonable American time, uh, when I'm meant to be going super late on the Saturday, so let's just bash through this as quickly as possible. Anyway, you can follow me on Twitter, at the damn implicat. that's in DAMN! And you can follow Wrestling Headlines at Wrestle Headlines. That's Wrestle without an E, the second E. I need to think of a better way to plug that. I'll figure it out. the new Twitter handle for the na change of the name. For we're no longer Laws of Pain, LOP, whatever. We can tell people what the site is about. And going, is it a sex thing? No, <laughs> it's not. It's wrestling. Uh, talk about people, well people fake fighting in their underpants covered in oil and pretending their legs are hurt. I saw somebody. Um, Talking about it might have been uh, Vanderbeek, James Vanderbeek, uh, they're on Twitter. Um, I'm on the social suplex line and he had a show on that anyway. Point being, I uh, I think it was t- joking about it. it's, it's as if wrestling fans realize that it's you know a bit more of an important thing going on, they're like the rest of the world, they're not like this weird bubble of people that no, they're just as valuable as every other kind of people with every other kind of interest or whatever. And all of us go, maybe not, you know, the peak moment to be uh fully invested in the people uh, kind of faking that they've got a leg injury on television. you trying to pretend, play pretend. Anyway, let's take this seriously then, shall we? <laughs> so, uh, yes, the show kicked off with Ember Moon vs Dakota Kai. This is what it leads perfectly into my question of, is the NXT women's division the best in wrestling? And really, I'm only marking it against two. The WWE main roster and Impact. Impact Wrestling. It's funny because AEW's. When you look at the quality of the AEW Voss, uh, like in every other division, the amount of care and detail that's gone into it, into the uh, Hangman vs. Omega, Kenny Omega storyline, into the Young Bucks FDR, maybe not hit as home run as much as possible, work is going into it, and the main event of John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, where fantastic work's gone into it. And really the reason the women's division stands out so much in AEW is because they hit home runs and put so much care and detail into everything else that when they just book a match without really much of that going in, it stands out. And a massive tangent on my NXT review talking about Cody's (laughs) media call. But again, it's things that happen today and NXT's in like a building process. This happens quite often. The week after like a takeover or a special, normally a building block episode, and that's what this was. AKA, I then really struggle to think of a topic, (laughs) because not really anything massive of note happens. So, I can do the image, I can photoshop something together, and more often than not, coming up with that Photoshop will give me an idea of what I'm going to call the show. This week, nothing. (laughs) Absolutely nothing. Staring at the YouTube page as it struggles to load anything, but for some reason. (laughs) And I'm just staring at it, just like... My God, I've got nothing for this week. Because we, it was solid. I think, I think um, again, I said it before on Tuesday when I was talking about how I re- this wrestling match I really enjoyed if I was giving it a star scale, I'd give it a three. But that's why I don't do stars, because I, st- I enjoyed it. And I'd use my words to say I enjoyed it and why. And, and for me, that's just way, way better perspective than an arbitrary number, which means nothing to me. Uh, and for NXT this week, I say the same thing. For this show... If I'm giving it a number, it would be three, but that's not because it was crap. I generally enjoyed this show. It was uh, really easy to watch. It was a great ride. Um, It was a really well-paced show. There were multiple great matches and little things built on. But because it was a building block episode, again, nothing really stood out to me as something like, Oh my God, that was amazing. It's a solid show. But if I'm giving it a number, (laughs) it's three. Because you need to blow my mind to get anything higher than that's no it was solid. I don't. I feel like sometimes I don't work on everyone else's number scale. <laughs> like for me, three is good, and that's what this show was. This show was good. It wasn't below average. For me, average is probably two. If I'm giving point fives, <laughs> maybe two point fives. Uh, but really, like for me, a three is good. Good, great, excellent, and it was good. That's the best way to put it. But the in terms of the women's division, the reason I was bringing up AEW was because it, yeah, their women's division stands out because again, when there's so much care and detail put into the other things, when as Cody said on the media call, it's like, oh, I hope, I feel like um, not not all the matches need like a massive build, and we will, and we, sh- I don't want fans to feel, like feel disappointed when we like just announce a match and then it's on the pay per view. That, and I feel like a lot of people kind of immediately lash back out at that statement. And for me, that's more, the reason to react like, not quite at that level, but to, for me, the reason it stands out is because the amount of care and detail is put into so many other places elsewhere on the card, and the fans are essentially saying that they want that same level of detail in the women's division, and they're not getting it. And specifically the women's division. And I am fully aware that when you watch AEW, the show is (laughs) chock-a-full, of this great little building content. It's... Yeah, it's just a shame that the women's division isn't included in that, really. And you get your moments, but it's not consistent. And when you get to the pay view, it's like matches suddenly thrown together. There you go. And that feels like the case for both women's matches on there. It's cool to see the NWA Women's Championship, but... Mm. Main roster WWE, absolutely slaying it on SmackDown. On Raw, they're seemingly putting the effort in, but also... there's a Asuka wasn't on the show this week. And... But for me... I don't, I don't know if there's an outside influence as to why she wasn't on the show, but she doesn't have any challenges, so you would feel that if she was there. And indeed, the, I didn't mind the building of the tag team scene, but that was fine. But... Uh, <laughs> and it's Survivor Series, so she hasn't got a title match coming up, but she has got a big match coming up, you can hype that. She could even be on SmackDown to hype that up, so it's not the end of the world, may not definitely not see her. That's way too many knots. <laughs> but it's... Uh, yeah, the Monday Night War, uh, but the SmackDown side is great uh, because I'm again Monday Night War. No Becky Lynch, no Charlotte Flair. I guess no Wonder Valsey, but it's been a long enough time without her that we, the status quo is probably kind of balanced out quite a bit. But it's you can see clearly see just that that la, that level of kind of care and detail just faded away a bit, and very quickly askers facing facing uh, challenges, and the division just isn't that strong as it is right now. Again, with no horsewomen in there, it, you feel it. That you got Asuka, Asuka's a fantastic champion, but you can feel it in the division. And I feel like Survivor Series could be a decent way to get people on the show and build it a bit. Uh, but that's not quite happening yet. On the other side of SmackDown, amazing stuff. Bailey and Sasha Banks have, have ran that show for over a, a year. Been fantastic. And for me, they're the benchmark in women's wrestling. They are two absolutely fantastic acts. And... They, when I say them, they remind me a bit of the Triple H way of doing things, where they set up so many things that they can then call up on it. And over the course of a year, when it would get to, like, November time, uh, if you watch Triple H back, he would just, like, set things up all <laughs> over the place. Oh, I could do this at WrestleMania, or I could do that. And that means we can call back to it at this point when I set this up. <laughs> so, and I love it when that happens, and uh, Bailey and Sasha Banks both do that. So, Finn Balor was another one, to be fair. Like, from that... That school of NXT, that period, you can see it. It's there. They just start setting things up, just (laughs) teasing on Twitter, (laughs) just beefs and things with random people. So I would love a program with that person, that person. And Bailey, Sasha Banks feud is one of those that because they were essentially doing that for months with each other, meaning that when they eventually break up, yeah, great stuff. (laughs) Great stuff. And Impact Wrestling is on an absolutely the only blip has been Tessa Blanchard in a me. and, uh, and uh, shout out to uh, Kylie Ray for like, uh, putting herself first instead of uh, i guess maybe doing more uh, damage by trying to force it through uh, picking herself to uh, look after herself first so uh, it takes a lot of courage to do that but she uh, the number the only blip has been Tessa Blanchard really and that's not their fault they they've they've solidly book, booked her so well that it felt like this it's crazy to think that the Tessa Blanchard moment was this bloody year. It <laughs> doesn't that blow out So much has happened. It's insane that was before that was before speaking out in June was that God good God this year but <laughs> where, earlier this year Tessa Blanchard was like white hot and it was this was like her crowning moment becoming like a world heavyweight champion. Oh, it did, like no matter of which sex it is, it's world heavyweight champion, and they booked it really, really well. Where you wanted to see that, then it happened, and everything fell apart. But all of that work put into the, into the whole division was still there because it wasn't just Tessa Blanchard. Everybody else in the division also got a massive looking got uh, to work with the guys as well. Uh, John Grace is benefiting from that change of ideology in Impact Wrestling, where they do do intergender wrestling. And uh, she's massively benefiting it from her, from it herself. And they are slowly building that. So personally, Impact Wrestling is, cause I would, I would sing the plaudits of Lucha Underground, So i I'm personally for intergender wrestling. And if the wrestler is smaller than the competitor, then it's just like it is when it's the same sex. And with Jordan Grace, she's, <laughs> she's a very strong human. <laughs> so that's, and they put, they wisely put her in there with mostly people that she can throw around, be it the X Division and whatnot. Uh, but then when they put them in there with a stronger person, then it's beef versus beef. <laughs> and, and obviously with uh, coming out of the G1 Climax, Tomohiro Ishii with to Shingo Takagi, beef versus beef, meat-slapping <laughs> meat. <slapping> meat. <laughs> yes, the Big E lagston. <laughs> oh, yeah, no one said his turn. I mean, years. Yeah, the Big E school of the, yeah, screw your 5 star matches. But, uh, yeah, so I would champion Impact Wrestling In terms of their intergender wrestling. But for overall the entire roster. So this is the issue with the main roster. I would say the peak for the main roster is the highest of them all. The depth is very shallow though. And you can feel it on Monday Night Raw. And on SmackDown outside of Bayley and Sasha Banks. Who is there really? Like As soon as that feud ends who are they going to feud with? As in, who is that? Legitimately, who is there that could beat either of them? Is there anyone near their level? Because I I can't think of anyone. Like, who wins the Royal Rumble? If Sasha Banks is champion, who wins the Royal Rumble? If it's not someone major returning like Ronda Rousey, if it's not Charlotte Flair doing it again, like who's it going to be? Do you have Charlotte Flair beat Asuka and then Asuka becomes champion, uh, wins the Rumble? Well she already won it, hasn't she? Who hasn't? Well, Bailey or Sasha Banks. Becky Lynch is out with the baby. (laughs) Ronda Rousey. Is she returning? Who knows. Point being, it's a very shallow division. You could even have Ray Ripley come up. Uh, but which is my case in point, which brings me to NXT. It's not just one or two, and that's where NXT went out for me. It is for me the clo- the, um, the main roster has a highest peak, but it's just the top, and outside of that, it's a, a very shallow division where a massive with a massive gap between those with the titles and the main event and kind of those in between and the, for me over this course next year they really need to build that division uh, I feel like they're doing a decent job slowly building up Mandy Rose to make her feel a bit more legit but she gets she's again stuck in a tag team and uh, I don't know I feel like the big face it is working slowly if they don't force it it could naturally happen but that still means you need, you need time for that so they've got to wait quite a while and in the meantime who the hell faces Asuka uh, you might be forced into rushing it yeah. Anyway, NXT, <laughs> so NXT's got depth and for me that's the biggest thing, that's the biggest comparison to Impact. Impact has got a massive depth, but NXT's got the highest peak out of the two for me. Again, Impact put a lot of stock into that into one character to really take off in Tessa Blanchard, could there could the peak be higher if that if, if yeah, yeah, if what came either what came out never came out or if, you know, in the past, Tessa Blanchard had never done that. She was a different human being. If they, if they pushed a different human as Tessa Blanchard and it had worked the entire time, would they would Impact Wrestling's kind of style be so much higher? I feel like it would have. It was meant to be a massive crowning moment for the company. It just, just turned into a, oh God, what, what do we do now? And they went through with it anyway, and it was uh, just a bit bad, and then they ended up firing her. But the NXT Women's Division, so much depth. It's strength in depth as well. Not only have you got Io Shirai and Candice LeRae killing it in a ladder match, you've got beef in Mikel Gonzalez versus Rhea Ripley. You've got this opening match of Dakota Kai and Ember Moon. You've got so many people not even on the... We had Tony Storm returning to face Shopsy Blackheart as well. There is so much depth in this roster. I just have to applaud it. it. For me, that's why I enjoy it the most. It's not just... Again, the main roster's peak is amazing. It's so high up there. But NXT's... It's got so much depth to it and variety within that depth. Like uh, Casey Catanzaro. Uh, Casey Catanzaro versus Ray Ripley is a great example of you've got your beef and you've got your athleticism. Then you've got your... I guess... Is Ember Moon a veteran now? Like She's an interesting character as well. Dakota Kai as well. When she's fit, Tegan Knox. There's a lot of depth to it, to that roster. And once the whole COVID world kind of ends and whatnot, you can bring over some of the NXT UK uh, women as well there. It works as like a side venture in a way. Like, like going on, uh, what's the word? Where well, you, you, you go over seas and you learn, I can't remember. What show to Umino's on, currently? <laughs> leave it, it's not happening. <laughs> 20 past midnight, it's not happening. But yeah, excursion, there we go. It's like sending them on an excursion. very uh, Ripley was a great example of that where she went to NXT UK, was champion for a while, and when she came back, it's like she had been on Excursion and felt like a massive deal when she returned. For me, that's a great thing for WWE, because I see the benefit of it in New Japan most of the time. <laughs> some site, some recent call-ups, like the current generation maybe, like Watto's become a meme immediately, and then you got uh, Great Okan coming back. Uh, okay, well I mean, he's still getting established, but... Not you know massive, <laughs> not not a massive uh, t- turn around really, but uh, again you see the benefit very Ripley, sending her to the UK, developing then coming back. Yes, yeah, she feels like an absolute megastar. Shorty Blackheart thinks too, but yeah, it, incredible quality. Not just at the top, but there's depth there as well. And there's a variety of type of competitor within that depth. So yes, I'm. I feel like I'm missing somebody as well, but it's just. I feel <laughs> let's shout out to someone. They're doing the storyline with Jaya Lee as well. I assume we we'll be trying to give her something to establish on. I don't know where it's going. It's still in a weird state. We don't know what I think about it. Uh, but anyway, let's talk about the opening match. And I, and uh, then I'll go through the show in order. The opening match will uh, be a good enough closer to this uh, first topic. My answer is, I think yes. But I'm taking a lot of different things into context where other company, other part, other, I would say they're not the best of everything, but the best overall in terms of consistency and depth. Whilst like, Impact Wrestling do some amazing things themselves. The main roster does some amazing things themselves. But all three of them have got weaknesses in certain areas. And all three have got strengths in areas. Uh, I feel like NXT's got the most amount of strengths. <laughs> anyway, Ember Moon and Dakota Kai opened the show. More than a decent way to do so. Uh, once again, the strength and depth of the division on full display. Uh, these two both silky smooth with that extra oomph. As Moon like sensed Dakota crashing hard into the barricade with a dive, he just felt that extra oomph behind the offence. Kai went to uh, wear down the recently returned from a lengthy injury opponent. Moon having to fight back in bursts, uh, with the Kiwi's damage clearly present as she held her arm. Uh, Ember outsmarting the lass at times, uh, goading her in and catching her into submission. Uh, Towards the end Moon really showcased that new aggression. That she's been banging on about in the VTRs, laying a whirlwind of shots to Kai's back to ground her, uh, climbing up for the eclipse. That but the simple distraction of Big Mama Cool Gonzalez was enough to let Kai in with a high boot to DeFierce, quickly following up with a go to kick, and Kai beats the former NXT champion. And the final note from Kai seemed to be You may be banging on about being a different person, but what makes you think I'm the same as I was either? So, yes. Because we've seen Kai develop, like, enormously. A completely different person from when Ember Moon was there. you've seen that brought up. It's like, yes, I love it. Love continuity like this. (laughs) It's just like, remember, that, like, oh, yeah, Kai was a different person when Ember Moon left. So when Moon comes back, she's like, oh, I can outsmart her. I remember her. Ah, but she's developed so much. Like, neither are the same person. And Kai picks up the win kind of because of that. Like, Ember Moon very easily beaten by the distraction. It's one of those uh, distraction finishes that can make the good guy come across as a bit of an idiot because it was like so easy. But with the flow of the match and her aggression, she was like zoned in on the one thing because Raquel Gonzalez had done nothing all match, and I kind of like that too. It wasn't like Main roster, big Umar Bahin, and he's standing there behind AJ Styles, and he's constantly a present within. within the, I can't say uh, constantly a presence within the match, and then he features in the ending somehow as well. Compared to this, Gonzalez was there but they never cut to her, she was just there in the background the entire time, they never really focused on her, she was never a big interference aside from the end. (laughs) So saying never was at one point during the match, Uh, but right at the end she was there and that cost the match for Ember Moon. Uh, To go to Kai gets to feel like a strong opponent, like NXT is not going to be as easy of a turn for Ember Moon as she thought, so yeah good stuff there. Uh, bang on to Kushida versus Cameron Grimes. Sorry, Cameron Grimes, Yeah, go to the moon. <laughs> yeah, halfway through the sentence, drop the accent, Matt. <laughs> Um It hit me like, at this point that on this show, we we're getting quite a few kind of cut-out slash cut-down entrances on the show. Yeah, so hmm, are you tight for time? <laughs> My friends, just a little bit. Uh, before this match, Grimes cut a promo where he was pretty easy to make jump. Like, whew, Uh, A ref appeared at the end to usher him to his match, uh, but it's the one that was a zombie in the House of Horror last week. Was it called the House of Horror? I'm forgetting that now. And, uh, ah, zombie, he screams as Cameron Grimes runs away, assumedly to Gorilla, because he comes out of his match and seemingly starts the match fine. (laughs) Okay, then. Uh, Kushida's aggression once again proving methodical, the lad having a field day with Cameron's left arm, bringing the athleticism later in the match as the Southern Gentleman fought back. But the ref was not down. Uh, Grimes unable to secure a roll-up. Kushida made him tap but never got it confirmed either. Grimes surviving with that awesome cross-body backflip move thing uh, when the replacement ref ran down. But it's the zombie ref! <laughs> Grimes freaks out. Kushida locks in one final hold and Cameron taps out fast. More screaming at the presence of the zombie ref. Well, I was trying to think, was he tapping out or was he just screaming like, ah, scary ref, tap, I need to get away from the ref. <laughs> it was one of the two. But yeah, Kushida gets to look aggressive, Cameron Grimes gets to o- get over the, the comedy stuff. I feel like he's going to get pigeonholed pretty quick, Cameron Grimes, into the comedy stuff. And uh, maybe Dexter Loomis' angle isn't going to help, really. Uh, out of a matchup with pure nonsense like that. Uh, I mean, for me, he's... I, I again, I in the ladder match I called him the linchpin of it. It felt like a Cameron Grimes coming out moment in the North American Championship ladder match, and because uh, he was just the the gnat, the Fly that was constantly needing spotted uh, uh, swatting away. There we go. So uh, I like that about him, and I feel like in his wrestling matches I like that feeling about him as well. Like he comes across as this guy, this comedy act that could just be easily beaten, but he is he is good. <laughs> He's just as a personality he is this. Fly and it's constantly swatting away. And it's sometimes quite difficult to do so. And you'll catch out opponents and actually pick up wins now and then. Uh, for me, solid mid-card guy. Like, <laughs> for your boy stable to quote a OSW. Yeah, he's totally in there. <laughs> Cameron Graves. Again, not a future NXT champion, really. <laughs> but again, really solid uh, middle-of-the-table act. Could pick up a mid-card championship, maybe. I don't know. Maybe that's a bit of a stretch. I fear 24 sevens in his future, though, uh, if he gets called up to a decent position and doesn't just get called up and used for nothing, or, or, or not used, he can't be used for nothing, or not used, <laughs> that's what I was trying to say. Uh, he, and then he turned up missing. Uh, anyway, it, Drake and Killian versus ever <whistles> I can't whistle at midnight either. <laughs> Is Drake wearing off on Kenny and Dane? It's his childish Tom? Giving an impression on Killian, like, is it winning him over? Like, um, really, in for this act, I love the idea where I'm such a fan of like the team's teamwork. Being uh, Dane using Maverick as a weapon with little regard for the Wee Man's well being, but he starts to be won over a bit. Like he's worn down by the charm of him. Um, uh, but I like that idea. Of a lot of the ta- the tag team offense whenever they do it, it's just Dane throwing him about or like really not caring about his well-being, using him as a weapon. <laughs> like, I like that. <laughs> I like that feeling. Like a great comedy pairing. Uh, NXT's resident job also will add that if the UK scene was up and running, obviously not because of COVID, but this is the kind of act that would really get over. <laughs> uh, I feel like it's just childish enough for the UK fans to really grab onto it. Sorry, the drunk UK fans <laughs> to really grab onto it uh, with the chants and things and playing along with it. Yeah, when we say the yeah oh, they, oh yeah the UK fans are they find a little bit of childish silliness. Yes, because we're drunk <laughs> and that really does help. Um, but yes, NXT's resident jobber team beat up the little lad. But as they did so, we got a side by side of Pat McAfee. Thought I'd kind of sing the praises a bit of this angle before it's completely swatted to the side and used for something else. But we got Pat McAfee and his Merry Men arriving, uh, which was Barrett's name for them. And as someone from Nottingham, a name I approve of. <laughs> uh, Pat, I've put pet in the notes, Pat takes the camera off the operator and the group storm into the ring for a beatdown as the former NFL fella directs from his camera at ringside, uh, directing his movie, his film. Uh, laying Dane down with what looked a bit like a three-man setup for a Magic Killer, before posing into Pat's camera for the ad break. Uh, after which McAfee ran Lyric again. A lovely moment to remember the Undisputed Era's run. Like, Pat, Pat was obviously so complimentary. Uh, tying up those threads of heel-turn reasoning. Explaining Dunn's turn by referencing Strong's turn to join the EU in the first place. Really like that one. And Bertrand Lorking felt fed up with being told they'd never be on the Undisputed Era's level. Uh, Pat explained, like, it was just so incredibly easy to put a group together of guys who hated the era. Say, so, ah, oh, yes, using what's come before <laughs> to then influence the next bit. Ah, oh, this is the type of writing where, like, quite often with the main roster, I'll say, they're v- they're normally pretty good at hindsight writing, which means when you're watching as it builds, it feels a bit wibbly-wobbly, like it's either not going anywhere or none of it really fits or gels or makes sense, but the show, like two or three shows later, they can then reference the things that's happened and hindsight book it, and suddenly, oh, it all clicks. (laughs) and Makes sense, even if it was a bit wibbly-wobbly nonsense. For me, that's why Retribution stand out, is they've not managed to do that, when with a lot of storylines and acts by this point, they've fallen on something like the Roman Reigns story from last year, which is like my biggest comparison for it, where this time last year, we had the who attacked Roman Reigns thing, with Rowan 2.0, and all of that nonsense. I was like, oh, what a great story! What a, what a great content deliverer for all of these podcasts and moan about complete nonsense. This year's retribution. attribution, uh, but with uh, with that angle, they fell onto something. They fell onto a Eric Rowan main event run, which is seemingly suddenly like, oh, that was suddenly solid, <laughs> really good, and a not bad fair way. Fair I can't say it farewell, that's what I'm looking for, and not a bad farewell angle for Harper either, he was now Brodie Lee in AEW, personally doing a great job, especially for uh, being the elite, <laughs> I love those angles, <laughs> being the elite John Silver, an absolute boy but, they uh, yeah, so it was Roman reigns they fell onto something surprisingly solid last year, it kind of clicked together in the end even if it's like that blatantly wasn't the plan, I was watching it week to week going you're making this up as you go along, there's like, no sense to this, there's no foreshadowing to anything. Things are things are just happening. <laughs> and... Retrib- but with retribution, it, we've stayed in that pattern, and there hasn't been that hindsight-booking thing, and that's why it stands out to me. Where, in terms of me like crapping on it, it's not all that hindsight-booking. This, right out the bat, right out the pat, <laughs> is hindsight-booking immediately working. Straight off the pat, <laughs> looking at what has happened uh, with all of these characters and using that to influence it, right, right from the get go. I'm not saying right from the pat again, <laughs> right from the get go. Uh, again, tying up those threads of and turn reasoning, all for it. And uh, towards the end of uh, Pat's amazing promo, they go to hoist the undisputed era flag into the rafters as a final tribute. Again, I highly recommend watching it. He's just—it's a tribute to Undisputed Era and how much they suck. <laughs> everything where he's talking as if he's giving like a passionate promo about how great the Undisputed Era works uh, were, and uh, but he keeps constantly running them down, calling them crap. Whilst there's images behind him of Undisputed Era's greatest moments. So, <laughs> I just—I just loved everything about this. Like Pat is an amazing promo. Uh, but they go to hoist the undisputed era flag into the rafters as that final tribute. But Pat changes his mind, and like but we're democracy here. Like we, we take a vote, we take a vote, and like mm, mate, this, the words happening on this Wednesday of all things. <laughs> and like uh, after after the vote, they dump after after taking the vote, they all decide to instead dump the flag in the trash can and set it on fire instead. Fantastic stuff. Pat is great, and the explanation for it all solid. But there's one more note. As they walked to their car, uh, Killian Dane attempted a sudden ambush, something he suddenly regretted. Uh, the group bested him and Dunn violently kicked the car door into his face, uh, cutting to ad break with uh, blood all over the Northern Irishman's mouth and parking lot floor. The parking lot, oh, damn it, Dane. That parking lot's dangerous. I didn't think it through. But yes, a very violent attack from Dunn. Uh, and I feel like the group needed something like that to, to really sell... The different side of them, and would this group be the same if Ridge Holland? Like, would it be this group with Ridge Holland if he hadn't gotten injured, or is it like a sec- like Pat McAfee was saying, where Birch and Norkin were like the second choice after realizing, oh wait a second, but the reasoning of them coming together to go against Undisputed Era and it being so easy for Pat to uh, put them together because so many people hate the Undisputed Era for so many different reasons, yeah, it's great stuff. <laughs> really great stuff. And in the meantime, you're turning on the Speed Era face a bit more properly without even featuring them. Like it works. You don't even have to feature them and you're turning them face. Like that's <laughs> that's that's some great stuff. Pat McAfee is fantastic promo. Anyway, after this, Johnny Gargano. And another little poem that I loved, where he's just like, we all know how I love wheels. Like, Johnny Gargano, he loves wheels. (laughs) That's what people say. And, again, just laughing purely because last week, it was all about how Johnny Gargano hates wheels. And on the commentary, you know, like, isn't it ironic that a man who hates wheels was assisted by one? Now, you really thought that was a line, didn't you? (laughs) But it then fed into this with Johnny Gargano. He's like, we all know that Johnny Gargano. He just loves wheels. (laughs) Just... Uh, he cracked me up that. And he's playing a board game with a spinning wheel on it as well. Everything's coming up Johnny. Uh, he's playing a board game with a Scream Mask clad human. Uh, next week he'll show us that there's nothing behind the idea that he loses on his first defence. Like he'll break that. And he will retain. Uh, we do not know who his opponent's going to be. But later on in the show they did confirm the match for next week. It was just a question mark graphic. Uh, next up, Tony Storm, black Blackheart. Before that, New Day mug. Luke, warm tea. <laughs> Luke, warm tea. And I dropped some onto my hand. Nothing to me. The rest of it is stuck in my mustache. Tony Storm versus Shotzi Blackheart. Shotzi, I'm trying to <laughs> get the uh, That that quick sip of water has gone so against me. <laughs> Shotzi, with a promo earlier in the show on the respect she has with Tony Storm, she said that she chose her as an opponent to truly test herself. But from the get go, the greenhead warrior was clearly distracted, running out with no tank and aggressively going after Storm without really total focus. Watching the match, thinking, wait, what did Tony Storm do? At like, I... like, first, I was just like, wait, did I wind past the segment? Did I just miss something by accident? But no, uh, the Teddy character just had an off screen incident, <laughs> just to sum it up simply. Uh, we found out later her tank was missing. And she. Some for some reason wrongly assumed that her opponent was to the, uh, was the reason for it. Because that's the world she's been in. Whenever something like this has happened, it's been her opponent trying to get an edge over her. So she immediately assumes Tony Storm. Again, I like the continuity of the world, the way that it shapes this character. She's come out all playful and innocent, and you can see it eroded as the time she's in NXT. She started like, making pretty strong assumptions of character just because of the way she was damaged in the past on this show, on NXT. It's all canon, <laughs> I like that. Uh, but of course, it was cheeky Candice. <laughs> we'll see that later. Because like as the match went on, Shotzi became more and more composed. Uh, that innovative, <laughs> that's not a word, offense rearing its head once again. A devastating DDT on the apron with Blackheart spinning off the top rope and taking Storm out, almost including herself. And uh, back in at the seven count, Candice LeRae popped up on screen and she's found her tank, ah. But Tony Storm rolled her up and capitalized on the distraction for the win. Uh, We went back to screen stuff, but uh, a lot of people on my Twitter, immediately pointing out, Shotzi, it counts at seven. Shotzi Blackheart gets into the ring and then Candice appears on the screen. The referee watches the screen. Shotzi Blackheart watches the screen. And then Tony Storm has got all the time in the world to recover, (laughs) because the referee, where she would have had three seconds, referees distracted. So like, are like, it, ref! Personally, I was like, ah, I mean, I'm fine with it. I, I'm, I'm not somebody who is like, stick to the 10 count. I'm not somebody who needs, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good for rules to be loosely followed. I don't need them to be super duper strict. But I know that's not the mass opinion. <laughs> Like if you establish rules of the way the world works and you enforce those rules, then that's how the rules should work. You can't go breaking them just for plot reasoning because then your rules don't matter. So why would your rules matter if you can just disregard them for plot point? It's like no, if you establish a rule, work with it, actually go with it. Uh, But again, I'm my number one promotion, New Japan. They do this all the time, where normally it's when an opponent goes down, they will suddenly do the ten count. Because they won't do any, uh, i like, call it sports entertainment shenanigans, like destroying a tank. <laughs> that won't happen in the New Japan show. So the focus will always be on the action. But still, they're very loose with the, with the counts. And I've seen people, like when New Japan started to blow up, Like one of the big criticisms was the 20 count. So well, why isn't the referee counting or disqualifications? Why isn't he disqualifying? Uh, and it's like, well, seen with AW, different referees have to different personalities. And I feel like, like AEW being on US television is a good thing for that. Because in WWE they're just nameless robots essentially, but on AEW they're the they they're all have different personalities and what kind of ref you ha which ref you have is different for the match because they've all got different personalities and the way they react to things. Different refs allow different things, uh, and for the way to flow. I, I, re- I swear there was a point to that. <laughs> it's, just, it's an observation I've made. Oh, that was it. Yeah. So I'm 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 not screaming, growing crazy of why did you suddenly stop the count? Did the ref get distracted or the referees that easily distracted although they that bad at their job? <laughs> it's like, no, I don't mind it. I'm fine with it. And like, really, it, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> they did their plot point thing. I'm not gonna go crazy over it. It's fine. Yes, I'm aware, it's one of those you set up your rules and then just dis- disregard them, but I don't really mind. <laughs> it's alright. But yes, Tony Tunrolder up. Candice Array Pops back up on screen, and Sean like, the tank's fine, it's alright, the good news is it's fine. But then a whacking great RV rolls up. Candice pops on in, uh, and me like, wait, who drove the thing? They'll show you later by panning to the side showing the screen person. And she drives the tank right, no, she drives, right o- she drives the RV right over the tank. There you go, got my nouns mixed up. Destroying the thing as Shotzi has a breakdown in the ring as she sees her tank completely destroyed. And I guess, as I was just saying, seen her like come out as like a play with like a playful innocence about her a really lovable character coming out on the tank doing the wolf cry and as time goes on in nxt that innocence is is eroded and her trust of others is eroded more and more and uh, and lirai is kind of a strong force for that so yes big thumbs up (laughs) really really enjoying the uh a slow erosion of Shotzi Blackheart. <laughs> Will she be like fumaso Jampa within time and actually be of a Blackheart? <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but yes, so the setting up Shotzi Blackheart versus Candice LeRae, which again, for Shotzi Blackheart is still a newbie. That's featured quite heavily, putting her with somebody like Candice LeRae. Yeah, nothing but great for her uh, in terms of like building for the future. Earlier today, uh, Leguero del Fantasma are interviewed in the parking lot. Jake Atlas rolled up, attacked Mendoza with a bat, and then pisses off. So, again, that's that's good because that means there's somebody in the Cruiserweight division going after the champion, Escobar, who isn't Swerve. A- again, I've said it before, he's champion of what division? And I don't have time for 205 Live, but on NXT, they don't really establish the division. Like, when they brought the Cruiserweight Championship over, Uh, For that first little point, you're getting Leo Rush versus Angel Garza in just amazing matches. But there were other people popping up as well. Drew Gulak popped up. Tony Nese popped up. Suddenly, like, oh, you've got other Cruiserweights popping in for a quick match. And that added some depth to the division. Now, it's whoever's facing the champion. And that's it. And then they rotate out and then they're gone again. But inserting, I think it was Adonis they inserted in and uh, Swerve is still there and then you've got Jake Atlas now as well like there's something to play with there uh, if you slowly develop it which it still feels like they haven't got past that point in over a year they're still at the same point of champion and contender but there's not much else to the division it's just different faces so yeah anyway that's my uh, criticism before a massive praise thatch as thatch can live I loved the idea of transitioning this to a live segment in the ring. I thought it was great. Uh, run, I can I like totally see this exact segment 10 years ago getting booed with boring. <laughs> uh, maybe not as bad as when Jeff did it. Jeff, I can't say, what was, his what was he doing? It was Jeff Jarrett doing an, it was an MMA exhibition, wasn't it? It was <laughs> Jeff Jarrett doing an MMA exhibition in the ring. And if i write the segment lasted for a few weeks and the TNA crowd would jump boring at it. But this is Timothy Thatcher and they've established it in video uh, beforehand, before then bringing it to the ring. And it directly to built to something right off the bat, which uh, again, that's something TNA got wrong, where they would, the idea was it would eventually lead to something, but that means you had two or three segments where it didn't. <laughs> so the fans were just bored for 10 minutes and, and it went on too long as well. This felt like just the right amount of like, time as well. So yes, I love the idea of making this live in the ring and the COVID year is the best time for it as well. Because you haven't got, like, a proper live crowd that could get bored. It's a much more controlled setting. And uh, Timothy runs through uh, how a guillotine hold works. And a nice little moment with with him showing it. And he's just saying to camera, A hold which I thought was legal. <laughs> sorry. So A hold which I thought was illegal. And uh, it was just... Uh, but apparently... Yeah, if you're a big guy, then you'll go for whatever. <laughs> I just love that line. <laughs> like, he's showing you how it works. So like, well, and then just, and just going off at NXT for allowing the holds to happen. Like, he's got a grievance with him being held in it in a match. It's like, yeah. Uh, and he's done that before. And uh, I just love that character trait. He goes a bit too far showing the next hold to the student, who he's showcasing all the holds with. Uh, going after his student, after he taps, and it, it, afterwards, the students was like, I thought this was an exhibition. And it's like, yeah, OK, OK, you can go if you want. <laughs> do, you, do you want to leave? they like, no, it's fine. He's fine. I'll, he'll stay. But the hold after that, the student was meant to be the one escaping. And even when the student was the one escaping the hold, Thatcher turned it back to being about him applying pain. He's like, you've got to be ready. You've always got to be ready as <laughs> the guy's tapping to an ankle lock. And that's when, what's his face on revolve? He's now down to Anthony Green. Guy with the hair. <laughs> Showed up to beat up Mr. Thatcher. And van him off. Threw him over the barricade. or well, he threw him out, out of the ropes and then he kind of fell over. Toppled over the barricade as well. <laughs> so I thought that was great. But yeah. Timothy Thatcher. Bringing up the Evolve lads now as well. Yes. As a kind of teacher position in NXT. It works really well. Because it is the exact setting for that kind of thing. And having a t- like the teacher character in Thatcher established and then students will kind of rise up and challenge him. Yeah, more for all that idea. Yeah, his students rising up against him. <laughs> Even though these were like in the, it felt like background segments only showcasing Thatcher, but now it's like, oh, well maybe some of the characters in the background, his students are actually start to get pissed off with him. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Jia Li, so I said I'd bring this up later. Uh, Jia Li letters uh, we've been seeing her are from her family. None of our business though, so oh, okay, cool. So, we've got a little piece of information, but that's all we're getting. Uh, Regal gives her a new letter, uh, Jaya reads it immediately and tells him she needs to challenge Raquel Gonzalez next week. She wronged me, I I, I need to challenge her. And I was like, oh, okay then, there we go. And uh, so, it's kind of like, what are they holding over her? Her family are involved, w- what is this? <laughs> uh, I'm in that state, it's the drip feeding information where it starts to feel a bit odd. And because it's WWE presentation that lot, the acting and presentation isn't great. <laughs> so he's just like, where, where's this going? And you feel like if it goes somewhere, then I can work with it. But we're still in that point of where's this going? So I can't really, I can just say it's a bit weird and odd and I'm not buying it yet, but they're taking the time with it and it's NXT. So I can give praise there. We're, just, we're still in that stage I don't know what's happening maybe in a match against Raquel next week we'll see something maybe she'll get battered and we don't <laughs> we don't know uh, also confirmed so we got uh, Gargano and the North American Championship conferred for next week but also next week is Breezango getting their NXT Tag Team Championship rematch against Birch and Lorcan so after he did like a big establishing for the group this week next week he gets to do it again either they get properly established and they defend against Breezango or Undisputed Era cost him the titles, like immediately off the bat, right? The week after, Pat is does his whole big speech that they get just destroyed the next week. Like Undisputed Era really respond after the flag burning. So yes. And we'll end with the main event, Master Champa versus, ugh, D- Velveteen Dream. Uh, Mortal Kombat Champa strolls on down to Murderer Fall. He's just adding little things. He had the cape or the, yeah, uh, the, vest was it was jacket I can't find the word jacket <laughs> he had the jacket that's turned into the awesome vest then he added the school mask well which looks awesome and then he added the hood it's like oh <laughs> Mortal Kombat jumper is all there uh once again praise for NXT not afraid to run heel versus heel in major card positions where the characters have got so much so much strength and are so well I was gonna say they're so strong but that's repeating myself <laughs> they've got so much strength and depth Uh, where they're just solid characters so you can feature them in the main event and people will be invested Uh, it's amazing what just time and consistency will do where you're at a point now where you can just do that Uh, and this is the first time in NXT where we're able to see characters who have been there for years and you've seen them go on all these arcs and things and they just feel like solid characters it's it's a wall mentally in terms of watching NXT it's a wall I feel like I have got to break through where I just see them as developmental and when somebody's ready you're like, okay, when are you getting called up? But since the move to USA, there's a whole selection of people who, like, are they ever going up? You know, Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano and a, maybe Candice LeRae in there as well. Like, are these you know, characters who are going to be on NXT for their WWE career? As in, this is their WWE career. They're not going to the main roster. Is, is, that something, is that a wall I need to break through? Or is it still developmental and they are going to the main event roster? It's just with the USA move, they've just slowed it down a bit. I I obviously I don't know. It's only been one year. Time will tell. But I'm kind of at that point now where I'm starting to get used to the fact that maybe certain acts aren't moving on because there is no need to move on because they are on like national television with USA. Like and Tomasa Ciampa and Johnny Organo are like NXT's established acts and they will be NXT wrestlers. Like that is their thing. It's not a developmental for them. Uh, but I'll break through that wall over time. It's just like obviously we're still in that feeling. It's only been a year, but anyway. Uh, once again, NXT heel versus heel. Two strong characters in the main event. A massive round of applause. Uh, but uh like anyone who faces ugh is an automatic face. <laughs> like uh, but still, both these lads have been projected as solid heels since their returns, and the, like the smile from Champa at the end, the creepy smile as he just basks <laughs> in the chant from the crowd. Like, yeah, that wasn't a good-guy response <laughs> to that chant. Jumper with his asserted aggression, no remorse from the black heart. Uh, the cast a bright, shining target for Tommaso on Dream's left hand. Uh, Barrett, after the break, emphasising the attack, going, It's a surprise that cast's not been smashed into pieces! <laughs> this week I didn't even attempt to do a proper Barrett voice. But, um, it's too dry. <laughs> you have to, it's a lot of throat in Barrett. Oh, Ray Barrett. Oh, he's all going to do that? Oh, <laughs> too much throat. <laughs> Can't happen. Um, but yes, uh, Dream unleashing his own aggression. But Champer was on point with no hesitation. Uh, Dream increasingly responding in kind as the match went on, uh, turning to the question of if either man could capitalise. A nasty landing for Champer after a suplex toppled both men over the top rope. But Dream overplayed his follow-up to it. Throwing a chair into the ring, he climbed to the top rope, was met by a rising knee, a great rising knee, and then damn smoothly rolled over onto the second rope for the Widow's bell or sorry, Willow's Bell, rope-draped DDT, and fairy tale ending for the assertive win. And then we got Champer blankly staring into the crowd with a creepy smile, rising his arms to the crowd chants NXT, and we fade off air. And uh, yes, we got the crappy, this is awesome, piped in chant. Again, just a little piece of criticism. I gave it last week, I'll give it again. If you're piping in a crowd chant, and you're in a small arena, but the crowd chant you're piping in is for a big open arena, it's not going to (laughs) fit. Because the visual doesn't match the audio. It's clearly a big arena, and you're not in a big arena. It works for the main roster, because they're in a big arena. But NXT's not. (laughs) So, just use full sale audio. Do you not have any full sale audio? Is that when they did the live shows? Did you just not record it correctly, so you haven't actually got any audio to use? When I say correctly, I meant ahead, uh, so they would have samples or whatever for something like this. But yeah, it's uh for me. That's an odd one. That's the biggest. It, they are using the this is awesome chant, and just like the main roster do, but because they're not in a big arena, it just it feels like it's just blatantly a press of the button, <laughs> and it really doesn't gel. It takes me out of the match every time they do it. Because I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> I'm never gonna buy it, because you're playing it as if you're in a big arena and you're not. <laughs> so the audio isn't gonna match the visual I'm seeing. Uh, so it's just a little point about that. I mean, I'm on the main roster. I, I'm, I don't really like it either. But it's worse when <laughs> you're using a big arena chant and you're visibly not in a big arena. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna spot that. Like just in terms of investment in the match, because in terms of, like just just the um, ambient crowd noise, I'm fine with that. Mostly because it is below, or at least mixed in with the actual crowd who are there. And for me, that's a really good mix. Um, on the main roster where it's just live fans, quite often it gets to me. But on NXT, when it's mixed in with actual fans who are there, it, it's it's relatively fine. That said, the This Is Awesome chant is stands out. <laughs> but this main event was a very strong main event. Of course, the only negative was, if you're not comfortable watching Dream right now, uh, then you're not going to enjoy this main event. Because, obviously, Velveteen Dream's in it. But it was a very, very good match. And I've been critical of Dream, I guess, just purely on his in-ring stuff. Because it felt like it was just something a bit too over the top about the way that he was acting and selling. But I felt like this match was toned down a bit. It was still there, but it fit his character a bit more. And part of it as well is Wade Barrett is really, really good at explaining characters and traits and things and why they're doing certain areas as well. Uh, Sometimes Beth Phoenix gets those lines. But Wade Barrett is really strong at it. And that makes everyone in the ring feel better. <laughs> and just really exemplifying how Dream loves the spotlight. And uh, I think Beth Phoenix was like this, saying that he craves it. And he's he loves being in this main event light with Champa. This is what he's uh, striving for. And uh, yeah. But I will say, for me, the absolute peak of the match was after that high knee. Just the way that they just rolled through. <laughs> I thought it was great. Uh, again, hit the high knee and... Dreams kind of on the ground, groggy, and, champion, and they both just roll backwards and they just so smoothly go to that middle rope. Yeah. It's, it's a little nerdy thing where I'm just like, Oh, that was fantastic. <laughs> just, that was really smooth. That was awesome. So yeah. So yeah, I would say since Dreams returned after everything, this would this is his best match. I'll give him big plaudits for that. Of course, it's a main event match against Champa. <laughs> so it's going to be difficult for it to be awful. But yeah, it was a really solid match. Only to being, if you're not comfortable watching Dream, it's is a dream match. I don't really need to explain it that much further. But for me, the Ember Moon and Dakota Kai was extremely solid. And you once again, for the like, second week in a row, I just got that feeling of, like, this women's division is so strong. <laughs> There's so much depth, so much variety. You can put two different wrestlers on each week, rotate them around, and it will feel so different just because of the variety of competitors. And, yeah, I'm, I'm so positive about the women's division right now and it's yeah it's it's actually blackheart is right and if like ray ripley's in the women's royal rumble or something and she does disappear off NXT, that'll be an absolutely massive loss for them because she is a star and uh, again it's that's the point of a developmental to create the stars for the future and they've done that with ray ripley and now it's like just time for her to go to the sunset and for her to fade away onto the main roster, <laughs> and hopefully not just dissolve or get Bianca Belair, we have to wait half a year for it to be actually featured <laughs> consistently. Oh, we'll see how that goes. Anyway, that's the end of the NXT review. Did anyone tune in? The president of the United States was still live talking when I went live during whilst the counts are still happening for the voting. Just to date this for the future. So uh, if anyone tuned in live. Thank you, and why? <laughs> it's so much more important things going on right now. Maybe you needed a distraction, and I've worked as that for you. Uh, anyway, I am crazy, and I'll be live on Saturday after full gear with uh, uh, Wrestling Headlines. I still want to automatically stay laws of pain <laughs> with Wrestling Headlines Radio Aftershock. immediately Live immediately after the payview view goes off air again, because I'm mad. And that'll be like 4 or 4, 5 a.m. in the morning. And uh, pre-Covid... I'll be getting to bed after an AW aftershock about 7 a.m., which is yes, I know, crazy. Uh, and what didn't help as well is doing the shows with like two or three people. <laughs> where I found if I do them solo, I can get to bed at a, you know, like an hour earlier. <laughs> but uh, but then I'm covering it solo at 5 a.m., so it's still you know swings and roundabouts. That's not. <laughs> i mind juggling and then say swings and roundabouts. Proof and ready for bed. So I'll be back on Saturday for Aftershock, WWE-wise, I'll be back for Raw on Tuesday. Uh, live the day afterwards because I'm not staying up till the crazy hours during the week. I need to recover. I've got real, like, life things to do. <laughs> I may not be American, but there's still things happening. We've got to convince our government feeding kids is good. <laughs> so we've got our own problems. So anyway, I'll be back on Saturday. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Liking, subscribing, five-starring, clicking on the bell, pressing headlines for all of our other videos. Uh, I think recently uh, All Night Long Wrestling Podcast has been uh, posting interviews at a rapid pace (laughs) with wrestling if you want to go check that out uh, check those out there's multiple plural and that's it I need to sign off I need to go to bed thank you for listening and all that jazz one of the things say was reviewing on the podcasty world things that really helps us you can donate to us uh, via the podcast links it's in the podcast link there's a donate option in the description for the podcast if you go on the show Obviously, that really helps us out quite a bit. We haven't got a Patreon. We're not that greedy yet. We'll get there eventually. (laughs) I say greedy. I've got to say positive words about it to positively reinforce it because the likelihood is we're going to have to do it at some point. So anyway, with that, I say thank you for however you've listened to this. Uh, I bid you adieu. Adios.